Hey, it's Nick Austin in for Steven Henderson. And on this edition of the podcast, we're checking in with you, Detroit, specifically because even as we're getting back in the swing of things, a host of concerts happening this summer, as well as public events getting back to work, a lot of normalcy we thought was going to occur. That's not what the numbers are telling us. It looks like people are doing a little bit more poorly than we would have thought. It's not like just getting back in the saddle, back on the horse. People are feeling more isolated now than they did even at times pre-pandemic. So we want to figure out what's happening. We want to check in with you. We want to figure out why this is happening, what we can do about it, how we can move together forward and make sure we're all doing better. And to do that, we were joined by two great guests. Dr. Jeffrey Kinsel, who's the Director of Counseling and Psychology Services at Wayne State University, he joins us in studio. Dr. Kinsel, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being here. We also have back with us Bishop Daryl Harris, the founding pastor of Total Life Christian Ministries. Bishop Harris, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me back. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Great to have both of you here because you have different aspects of this that you're seeing right now. So I'm going to start off with you, Dr. Kensel, to tell us just a little bit more about uh, CAPS, the Counseling and Psychological Services uh, that you provide at Wayne State University. What exactly is that? And what's your background there with them? Sure. Um, my background is um, 10 years as director, and we have a large staff of counselors and social workers and psychologists and support staff and administrators and a psychiatrist. And what we do is provide a full range of mental health services to Wayne State students. Uh, so we serve around 1,000 or 1,200 each year, and we provide non-clinical services as well as clinical. So non-clinical might include um, informal drop-in sessions or workshops, educational programming. On the clinical side, it could be traditional one-on-one -on -one counseling, weekly meetings with a therapist for a few months, but could be briefer, um, could be group counseling, which can be especially powerful have um, students with similar problems get together and feel like they're not alone with what they're dealing with. Or our psychiatrist might prescribe a medication if that's appropriate. All right. And this is for students at Wayne State University. Correct. So I'm sure, especially coming out of the pandemic, you mentioned you've been doing it for 10 years. You're seeing some differences from before the pandemic to now. What are the challenges that you are seeing people facing over at CAPS? Big changes, big differences. So one thing, if you could think of it as a silver lining from the pandemic is that it pushed our counseling center to learn very quickly how to provide our services remotely. So for quite a while during the height of the pandemic, we weren't seeing any students in person. So we were using um, video meetings to provide clinical services and almost to our surprise, the students loved that. Hmm. So we now have half of the students coming to CAPS requesting remote services. So that's been a big change, um, but for the most part, a good one. We still do some in-person. We have some students who have no preference. We can do a hybrid of both. But the main thing that we've seen with students as far as a, a new challenge for us, I do think is isolation and loneliness and um, social anxiety. So mm. trying our best to help with that. 
We're going to get into a little bit about what you see there, but I want to loop you into the conversation right now, Bishop Harris, because while we're talking about college-aged kids over at CAPS, uh, you're also talking to people right now, especially young people related to these issues. Let us know some of the work that you're doing right now with helping people out who are struggling, who you're talking to, and what you're hearing from them. Well, we're encapsulating through our church, you know, what has just been a sense of providing spiritual kind of support, which delves into those areas of fellowship and uh, dealing with matters of peace of mind and joy of heart. Um, And so to that particular space, dealing with young people, the church has seen obviously a decline uh, just because a lot of youth are not coming out anymore. Just the social anxiety that they're dealing with in terms of when you're in a church space or you're in a temple space, you are uh, forced to kind of fellowship and get to know people. Well, if there is this social distancing, which is amazing how you said that at the beginning, I don't think it stopped. Mm. (laughs) I think that it has continued, um, maybe not uh, by force from uh, any medical standards or whatnot, but I think people got used to it. And now all of a sudden there is this idea that you know, I don't need to be in your space in order to socialize with you. Uh, is that what, so that's what you're seeing right now at your, what, your church? At the church and in some of the other work that we're doing with young people. We've got groups of young people, but what we're beginning to see is that although they may group together, mm. uh, even the structure of that group is different because they're grouping together through social media. Uh, and then when they get together, you can have people who are not necessarily friends in person. They talk to each other, you know, playing the video games or Xbox and they can speak to each other, but they meet up together. And then you find out that there's this conflict that's present because there is no conflict resolution skills or Mm. there's nothing that's been there socially Mm. to help them engage each other as friends. So as we're coming out of the pandemic, if what I'm hearing is correct, even though we're out of the pandemic, still a reliance on social media, which we think a lot of people were using as a substitute, especially while you had to be distant, you couldn't be close. They're communicating through social media, through Facebook. No, no, you'd have to be really old to be yes, communicating through Facebook, through, through Twitter, <laughs> through Snapchat, through um, uh, TikTok. But what I kind of want to know then is you're saying even as people are coming back together, they're staying isolated. So I leave this to you, Dr. Kinsel. What are you seeing in terms of uh, people being able to group together at, at a college age? Uh, what, what, re- results, what has resulted from this change? So, of course, many of them are not really having any challenges with this or they're having normal challenges. So for decades or centuries, when a student went away to college, of course, it was an adjustment and they might not know anyone. And so it takes a while. But when you add in the influence of social media, which I think was big um, before the pandemic, then you add the pandemic. You have students who are lacking in confidence. Um, we have good data to show the increase in social anxiety over the last 10 years in, at college counseling centers around the country. And uh, so the item that has increased um, the most um, is fear of not being liked. Mm. So we have hundreds or thousands of students coming to Wayne State who have a pretty significant fear that no one will like them. That's a lot to overcome on top of how difficult it already was. And then you add uh, the influence of the pandemic where with the social distancing and the isolation, people didn't get to build their skills to the point of developmentally what would be expected. 
so that you know how to make friends or how to be comfortable around people or how to be assertive or uh, Bishop mentioned conflict resolution, a lot of different things. Um, either they don't have the skills or maybe they do, but they don't have the confidence to use them. It's, it's so interesting because you, we talk about social media being able to bring so many people together, but then you're talking about the conflict resolution skills, for example, or the ability to interact with people personally, which isn't the same as uh, interacting over a computer, over the internet. It seems to me kind of like it might be that brief substitute, that aspartame of getting a connection, but not the real actual thing. Like you're trying to get your nourishment through a bunch of chips and soda instead of good nutritious food. So I want to come to you with that, Bishop, because I know you talk to some younger people about this, maybe even before they get to college. What are you seeing in terms of their ability to adapt and doing and being isolated versus trying to come together? What are you seeing out there? So for example, I'll tell we had on just last week, uh, what's traditionally known at our church is a vacation Bible school. Usually that is an opportunity for us to reach out into the community and get some of those young people, children, who may not attend church on a regular basis, but to be able to provide some fellowship, some spiritual guidance, and things like that. Well, last week we had a particular kid. Well, you know, first of all, the attendance of that has gone down. Uh, just getting out there and getting people to trust again that, hey, I wanna go somewhere where other young people are, and again, we're facing that, will they like me? Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, we get these kids together finally. We've probably operating this, uh, this time around about 30% of what we normally get. But I noticed that as they were coming into uh, the building for the Vacation Bible School, that many of them sat at a table at, by themselves or grouped with their family member, whoever they came with, and that all of them, 100% of the student base we had at her, were like this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> On their phone. And you, you got your phone out looking down at it right now. And so what was interesting to me was that there were two brothers sitting at the same table and a sister. They were texting each other at yeah. the same yeah. table. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, why aren't you guys, why don't you just ask him? Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, we do this all the time at home. You know, I don't want to talk to him, you know. Yeah. We, we want to hear from you. I got a story about that, by the way. 313-577-1019. 313-577-1019. What are you seeing out there in terms of even your, your kids, uh, young people in your life, yourself? And if you're older, we want to hear from you as well. Uh, are you struggling with isolation, feeling lonely? Do you know others who are? Or, or are you getting back to normalcy? Is, is everything good for you right now? How do you feel about being in big groups? You know, How do you feel about getting back together? Uh, what questions do you have about what's going on? Let us know what's going on in your life. Maybe some strategies you've employed to get back uh, with other people as well. 313-577-1019. It's funny you mentioned that, Bishop, because uh, a young person who I was talking to acknowledged, they said, you know what, I'm on social media way too much. I'm going cold turkey 30 days. I said, that's, that's crazy. I don't know if you'll be able to do it. They said, I'm going cold turkey 30 days. Apparently they succeeded, but I asked what caused them to fall out of it they said being out with their friends, which was crazy to me because to me it would seem when you're with your friends, you're more, why would you need the social media? You're there with the friends. But they told me that 
uh, when they were friends, when they were with their friends, everybody pulled out their phone. So they had four people on the table with the phone. It was just too difficult to resist the temptation to pull out your own phone and talk, uh, which was crazy to me. What are you seeing in terms of that, uh, Dr. Kinsel? Why would someone need a phone when they're in a social environment? It's what they're used to. Um, it, it's immediate gratification and it's a cultural shift that's taken place. So we at CAPS are, are not resisting it uh, completely, we, we have to adapt. So one thing, another change we've seen is that um, this generation of students um, has an expectation for immediate gratification, for immediate help, mm-hmm. um, on-demand help. And so we're doing our best to adapt our services so that uh, students who don't have um, the skill of being patient and waiting a while or some students who the severity of their mental health problems um, doesn't mean that it's warranted clinically for them to wait. We prioritize them, but um, it's tough trying to adapt a traditional mental health center for um, these needs that are evolving so quickly. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like I said here, we don't want you to be isolated. You can give us a call if you're listening out there, 313-577-1019. When we return on Detroit Today, we'll start talking about some of the solutions that uh, you guys are seeing out there, some things, some strategies that we can employ. We'll start hearing from you out there also to hear your stories and get an idea even outside the social media space what we can do to get some more connection together and see how people are doing when we return on Detroit Today. We've discussed a lot of the issues that uh, some people are saying that they have out there in terms of trying to reverse that. If you're someone, especially a younger person, who feels socially isolated, maybe hasn't developed that muscle of social interaction, what recommendations do you have in terms of trying to get back into it? I'll start with you, Dr. Kinsel. So another um, silver lining of the pandemic is that um, stigma about mental health has been dropping very rapidly. So it is now much more socially acceptable or normal to um, tell someone that you're struggling with your mental health. We have celebrities and athletes um, going public with their mental health struggles. So it is absolutely um, okay to seek professional help. But not every student needs professional help, so there's lots of other ways. Um, I wouldn't seek professional help unless um, you've tried some other things first. Um, That includes, first of all, taking care of yourself, um, sleeping. Um, This is kind of from the perspective of um, college mental health. It's pretty typical for students in making the adjustment to being a college student to um, not yet be very good at self-care. So we really stress that. We stress um, attending events, so Wayne State, every day there's exciting, interesting events um, to attend. There's um, hundreds of student organizations to try out. Um, You don't have to commit necessarily. Try out a couple student organizations that fit with your interests, and um, you can start to get to know people through that. Um, There's all kinds of, it's a, a thriving, exciting environment. And, uh, but the one other thing that I think is critical is to cut yourself some slack too. So if you're lonely, well, as I said, that's fairly normal for a college student. And, um, so you're going through a big change. Um, give yourself some time. Um, these things don't happen overnight. Yeah. Yeah. We got a great tweet that I agree with. It's from Atia on Twitter. It says, 
I think some of these issues are being addressed very surface level and very much from the outside in as adults. One of the most alienating things about being a young person is adults don't really listen to understand where they're coming from. And I think that's a great point. Yep. Now, my goal with this conversation is certainly not to be surface level, but in terms of addressing something from the outside in, as an adult, it is difficult to, I'm not a kid anymore, but I have been a kid once. And sometimes putting yourself back in that moment, in that headspace is pretty important, even though we're doing it in a different generation, right? I haven't come up in this age. You know, the challenges that I faced, there were challenges, but they're not the same. So trying to get a good understanding of that is really key here. And before I get to the phones, I want to give you an opportunity, uh, Bishop, because I know that you have some thoughts there and, and you also have some things that you've seen in terms of helping people out to get to respond to that, as well as uh, what you've seen out there in terms of potential solutions to some of these issues. Absolutely. I think that one thing that was amazing uh, during 2020 to see that it went up, although people were still in that space, was travel. Mm. This idea that these young people began to go out and see the world, mm -hmm. uh, you know, flights were cheaper. Uh, you could get a cruise at a cheaper rate. And all of a sudden you started seeing people who may not have been in high school <laughs> and they were actually on a boat going to Pugacana, you know, <laughs> Funacanta. Mm. Uh, and so I think it's important to just push yourself to go beyond uh, what, what that norm is in terms of breaking that isolation. Uh, and I do think that the young lady, I was actually going to say that, I think we've got to start including the young people in these conversations. Another interesting thing that was happening during the COVID time was also this social protesting that was going on, where these young people were demanding to be heard and they were demanding to have a voice. And I think that it's important that they continue along that spectrum, that they have a voice and that we need to create those spaces to give them those voices. You're beginning to see that young people are now starting to be included in things like city government. Uh, the governor's council just opened up for young people to come in and be voices there and tell us what to do to help you as opposed to guessing as adults to what you need. We're going to loop in another adult into this conversation right now because I think that's great timing. We got Bill in Detroit. Bill, go ahead. You're on Detroit today. Yeah. Hey, good morning. Um, okay, so I'm a high school teacher and a parent of two teens, and I spend a lot of time thinking about um, the Internet and developing brains and then biases, like how kids relate. And I was, I was thinking some of my best conversations in my classroom are with teenagers that use their phones to augment, um, to augment what they're trying to get across, and at the same time, I'm constantly coming at my own kids and coming at my students with my 50-year-old biases around what makes a good social interaction and what makes like what's culturally appropriate. And I see the kids that are isolated, and I see the kids that are social. Mm. And I'm I would question the adults like how do our biases as adults interrupt this developing cultural shift that teenagers and young adults are experiencing having grown up with uh, an incredible computer in their in their pocket. No, I think that's right. I think what I want to make sure to have a distinction here from, and these things can get lumped together, Bill, you make a great point, right? Just because the kid's using the phone more often, I do see adults who say, you shouldn't be doing that, blah, that's a bad thing. No, that's not what I'm talking about at all. You know, I use my phone a lot in a lot of places. I think more would be the concern of uh, when 
social interaction would be so much online, is it impacting the ability to interact with someone interpersonally, like in the same place, or to the extent that you feel less than, you feel isolated, you feel like people won't like you. That'd be the concern. If you don't have those issues, then, you know, have at it. So uh, with that distinction, um, Bill, what have you seen in terms of working with high school students or your own kids in terms of that? Has that been impacting them or do you think everybody's pretty level that you're dealing with? No, no, it's not level at all. Mm. I mean, my kids, my kids got toasted by the pandemic in, Mm. in their, one of them did, one of them prevailed. The younger one was fine. The other one, um, you know, I, I fully believe that that period of time online was harmful to social development. And then in my classroom, there's a clear divide between kids that are are addled by their social anxiety and the ones that are able to function more, um, you know, more yeah. successfully. And and no, it's like it's a huge issue. Yeah. And so, like I'm I, I'm thinking ahead to how I'll, I'll have a questionnaire in that first week of like how many of you think the phones should be in the classroom and will help you and how many of you think you need an adult to tell you no phone so that you get something done and I've done that survey and kids a lot of kids will say I don't have control over my thing I'm 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 in an addicted space with my technology yeah yeah you know Bill I I really appreciate you calling in with those stories and that uh, personal uh vision that you've seen there because that's something I've seen also and it's something you were referring to Dr. Kinsel what response do you have yeah the um the um screens are um tools yeah. very powerful tools and so if they are used um in a healthy manner then uh there's no issue um so it's when it's um pure escapism it's uh avoiding dealing with your emotions um, if it's avoiding dealing with people, um, then it's potentially problematic. And I do think likening it to an addiction, um, absolutely that fits in some cases. Um, we ask every student who comes to CAPS um, seeking services um, if they have problems with their social media use. Um, and of course, many of them do uh, report that. Sometimes we run a group called Ghost Your Social Media, mm. which teaches, um, it's a structured group, um, step-by-step teaches students how to get away from their reliance on social media. Yeah, yeah, and how about you, uh, Bishop? What are you seeing out there in the space? The exact same thing. It's just been amazing, but you know, trying to also adapt as adults and as a parent myself you know, to how do I best utilize that space, not to completely shut it down, but just teaching and more teaching on managing uh, that technology, which is something that was happening before 2020. Like we should have been doing that as we were coming up with these new creations of technology, you know, putting something at the school level, the elementary school level, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that happened was, you know, so much of this was going on with the social media that when laptops were given out to the students uh, in 2020, um, we didn't realize that they didn't know how to work the other programs. All they knew how to work was the social media. Mm. And so turning in assignments on Microsoft Word or doing a presentation on PowerPoint, they had no idea as to how to do that. But they did know, you know how to get to social media. Yeah. And so I think it's important that we begin to teach those managing skills. It's not all bad, right. but 
if we don't manage it, it will be. 313-577-1019 is the phone number to get in on the conversation. Again, it's 313-577-1019. Tell us how you're doing out there in Detroit, whether a young person or older, someone in your family as well. How are you feeling getting out of the uh, social restrictions that we had with the pandemic and getting back to meeting up with people? How are things going for you? What strategies do you employ? We're going to move to Dennis in Dearborn right now. Dennis, go ahead. You're on Detroit today. Well, good day. I, I, I'm in the car. I don't usually do this, but I'm not holding anything. So, um, you know, I live in Dearborn. I'm 75 years old. They have a program where you can audit a class and, you know, stimulate your mind. So I've done, done it three times so far uh, pre-pandemic. And uh, the, the thing that was exciting to me is that I got into these, the class with these young folks, and I thought, oh, they, what do they think about this old dude in the class? And then they got excited about wanting me in their discussion groups, and they, they really, so there was a cross-pollination between 20-year-old and a 70-year-old, and it was academic, and it was exciting. So I, I, I just went to sign up. Yeah. All six, all six classes that I just picked were online. Mm. So I, I, I'm not going to take it this fall. I'll go back in the winter and see if they have something else. But, but uh, so I like the, the philosophy, uh, the, the uh, literature, the uh, uh, history, uh, but they're all online. So I, I, I left disappointed because I can't cross-pollinate my thoughts. And uh, I'm thinking that's a whole bunch of people at home doing the homework. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Dennis, because one thing that I'm hearing there with that also is we're talking about an over-reliance on uh, screens, on social media. But then if you have schools and universities for efficiency purposes, putting all their stuff or the only way you can interact is online. Isn't that a bit of a mixed message? Yeah, well, at Wayne State, um, I think there's been tremendous effort on the part of faculty and instructors to get better and better at online teaching. Of course, post-pandemic, if you will, um, we've returned to mostly in-person classes. But the convenience for a lot of students of online can't be denied. So it's trying to meet the demand of whatever um, is is best for the student experience. Um, So in response to the caller, I would say um, try out an online class if you haven't, because you might be surprised um, that you do actually um, connect well. If if the instructor is is reasonably well-trained in how to do online teaching, there's lots of opportunities for connecting and discussion, engagement. Yeah, I I mean, that's true, right? But the way I think of it is if online maybe allows for a course that couldn't exist otherwise, then I guess it would be all right, right? Because you're getting the added benefit. But if it becomes something that we rely on or ends up being a substitute, it's like when I go to the grocery store and I always try to use an actual human attendant, even though it's so much more convenient to use the non-human attendant. But now I have to just use a non-human attendant because all the human attendants are gone because it was more convenient. But maybe it was better for me to interact with the human attendant. I kind of like going in there and they probably didn't like it. And I was like, oh, man, this is broccoli. And like, just Nick, just let me do my job and go through. Uh-huh. So fair. Maybe they, they saved the human attendance for me. But my point is, you've missed that interaction, right? And so I think that's something that we can have value with there. Dennis and Dearborn, thank you so much for your points and call. I, I really do appreciate you calling in. And that leaves an open line for you out there. 313-577-1019. How are you doing, Detroit? 313-577-1019. Let us know 
how you're doing, how you're feeling, feel isolated? Do you feel connected with people? What do you do to stay connected? Or if you're feeling isolated, why? What challenges are you seeing? We wanna see how you're doing and make sure our audience is doing well. Bishop, I know you. we've talked a lot with kids uh, with you, but you also work with adults. Are you seeing anything different with the adults that you work with or uh, a lot of, what, what differences are you seeing with those adults? Stress. Mm. <laughs> Just the amount of stress that's going on. You think about the vacuum that COVID created in the sense of just one area, such as housing, employment, right? Um, the housing moratorium that was placed on landlords to provide the space to families so they're not paying rent. So the family, unfortunately, experiences some issues with unemployment. Now the moratorium is removed it's caused landlords to skyrocket in their practices and how much they charge for rent. And now you have to have three months uh, worth of rent in the savings account. Well, people were not at all set for that, especially dealing with this unemployment. So just the amount of stress, they've got to figure out what to do with the kids uh, who are now not in school, you know, who are at home having to kind of supervise themselves. Uh, what do you do when you were dealing with uh, a parent who was sick uh, or an elderly parent who was sickly and they passed away. What do you do with families and adults who experience tremendous amount of loss? Uh, even for myself, being a caregiver and then on top of that, experiencing what do I do with my own grief and my own stress? Uh, my mother passed away uh, in 2021. Mm. It was a tremendous thing to deal with because I was still having to go to the church and deal with other families who were in this cycle of loss in their own families. And so just adults are just talking about this getaway and how do I escape? And unfortunately, because so many things socially were set down where they may have turned to before, uh, such as their church or their community clubs or whatever the case may be, the only things that seem to stay open were the liquor stores and, mm, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and the places that increased in terms of uh, a sort of substance. Uh, and so just seeing these things and dealing with these things, and I think people are trying to get back now, but this idea of the new normal, like what is it? Right. Every institution's been rocked, and now I don't know what the norm is. So just trying to work with these adults in terms of what do you do when those spaces have kind of been emptied out and it's left to you to kind of figure out what this new norm is gonna be. First of all, uh, sorry for your loss of your mom. Uh, but also, you mentioned that the people that we rely on to help us out when stress increases or when issues increases, even with the population of what they're seeing, maybe not what they signed up for as a counselor. And, you know, you're thinking you're getting one in a day or something. Now you're getting six or you have to have online sessions when you didn't expect to or you're getting even tougher situations. You got things you got to deal with at home. You know, who cares for the caregiver in those circumstances? What do you see with your staff, Dr. Kinsel, in terms of is there a rise in stress and how do the people who are trying to help out others uh, help themselves in those moments? There is a rise in stress. Um, I think we're holding our own. Uh, we pay a lot of attention to morale and burnout. Uh, we have had more turnover than we've had in the past. Um, there are national reports on the state of college mental health at, at the counseling centers around the country where there's tremendous turnover and um, great difficulty filling open positions, finding qualified applicants. Uh, so we're always trying to fill open positions. That's an additional burden on the staff um, to never be completely fully staffed. 
Um, so it's difficult, but we do our best. Um, we are experts on self-care, so we try to follow our own advice. Yeah, well, that is good, right? <laughs> if you've got the skill set, why not use it for your own benefit as well so you can benefit others? And when we return on Detroit Today, we've got calls coming in and we're going to hear from you about how you're doing. We'll have more on Detroit Today when we return. As we return to the show, we've got two great guests with us to help us talk about this subject as well as you. And we're going to go to the phones pretty soon. Also, as we're joined by Dr. Jeffrey Kinsel, Director of Counseling and Psychological Services at Wayne State University, as well as Bishop Daryl Harris, the founding pastor of Total Life Christian Ministries. We've got some pretty interesting calls here, though. So I want to start off with Matt in Detroit. Matt, go ahead. You're on Detroit today. So one thing I hadn't heard uh, brought up, and I think it's pretty central to this argument, is um, our readiness or our availability to to ready information. We're able to get news in, in such a quick fashion that we have to make a judgment on it uh, immediately. And what I think is, is 20, 30, 40 years ago, you only got the news of the big things happening. But now we get everything in an, in an instant. And with the rise of myth and disinformation from either side of the political spectrum, it's even harder to form a real educated opinion. And so, for example, um, on topics of, of say, um, Trump having a trial, nothing's going to happen where we get information in the next six months. It's just speculation for six months. So you have, you know, colleges across the country arguing over uh, politics, and, and nothing's going to be decided in, in, you know, probably a year from now. So we get to be on edge about it and we get to, you know, argue with people and kind of cause a risk between, you know, people who could be our friends when in reality there's nothing we can do about it. Um, For a more local take on that, you can look at um, the issues going on with the big three right now and the strike that might be happening or is going to happen. And you get all these people excited and everybody has an opinion on it. But the reality of it is, is is none of us have an influence on it, but we get to be stressed out by hearing about Mm -hmm. it every single day. And in today's world, you you have to have an opinion on it. And so when your friends ask you about it, Mm. whether you're informed or not, you have to have a response of if if this is good, if this is bad. And I think that can add to our social anxiety. Matt, first of all, this is a very astute and great point you bring up. Now, I want to push a little bit here because this is something I run into also. And whereas you said you have to have an opinion on it, I would say you are pressured to have an opinion on it. Uh, It's one of the things I try to do a lot. I'll say to people, I'm not sure. I don't know yet. This is what I'm thinking. And it can frustrate some people to be sure. But that's kind of my take with it. I try to refrain from making judgment until I feel like I have an adequate basis of information. And yet it seems what's rewarded or what's desired on these social media platforms with friends and stuff. No, you got to have a take now. And even having a take immediately is what's rewarded. So that seems more like a pressure to me. But Matt, you said you have to have a take. Have you tried to refrain from necessarily having a take? Is that just not allowed? What happens when you say, hey, I'm not sure? You can say I'm not sure. And that's probably the smartest thing to do, because it seems like with every big uh, event happening, you never get the real information until weeks later, yeah. you know, and, and hindsight's a, a 2020 thing, right? Right. So it, it, it's hard because you want to blend in, you want to be liked by the people around you, and you want to have the same opinion. That's often why you hang out with people is because you all share the same opinion, and it doesn't do you any good to be, you know, the odd one out that's to, right. to support something that's not supported. And if it's really, if it's not in your belief, even when handed 
any any kind of truth that's against your belief, if there's not enough of it, it's easy to say you still don't believe in it. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's an even bigger issue. That's a great point. You should have seen Stephen Henderson's reaction when I told him I didn't like the Lions' black jerseys and I prefer <laughs> the current blue and silver. He just flipped out. He's like, "You have no sense of style." Mm-hmm. Uh, I leave the question to you, Bishop. Matt raises excellent points. What are you seeing out there? The exact same thing, but I do like the pushback on the having to. I think that it is the pressure to respond to everything that's going on that really exacerbated uh, the challenges of the social anxieties that we're feeling. To feel that you have to be a part of every conversation, that you have to know every ounce of news. One thing in 2020 that we were telling people was find out about COVID, but there was so much information coming out. And this information was coming out from people who had no clue, no Mm -hmm. idea. One doctor would say, hey, do this. Another doctor would say, hey, do this. And it would be completely contrary. And so in terms of, you know, just managing the information intake and managing your response to it, how much of this stuff am I going to hold? How much am I going to allow people to pressure me? If they're my friends and we normally share the same opinions, well, then I shouldn't be under yeah. pressure to give my opinion if we kind of feel in the same way. Yeah. So no, I think it's important. I think we see it a very, 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 very astute point. Matt in Detroit, that was a very important point to bring up in this conversation. And thank you so much for calling us and bringing it up. And if you have another important point that you think we're missing out, give us a call. 313-577-1019. Be the person to insert inject that point into this conversation as we move to Annette in West Bloomfield. Annette, go ahead. You're on Detroit today. Hello. I am a nurse at a hospital, and I believe that during the pandemic, uh, a majority of the people were in lockdown, something like you're in lockdown in a prison, and that is not healthy mentally. About a third of the patient's parents are very rude are very difficult to work with, sometimes seem to have more psychological issues. And one of the first words they seem to be using is lawsuit, even if nothing is really actually on the table that could be a lawsuit, to be honest with anybody. But it's very, very difficult to work with them, more than it was in the last several years. Man, Annette, I hear the struggle and pain in your voice there, and I'm sorry that you have to deal with that. It's so it's like a domino that once the one shoe drops and then just cascading effect on so many of our systems. Dr. Kensel, what response do you have to that? Yeah, I agree with that characterization about the dominoes um, that people's lives were turned completely upside down uh, with the pandemic for a long time. Um, trying to figure out what the new normal is, dealing with losses, um, grief. Um, nothing is the same anymore. Uh, so that brings out the worst in people, uh, that they don't have a lot of ability um, to be um, kind and patient. And so um, as healthcare professionals and mental health professionals, uh, we get training in how to be um, non-judgmental and to validate. That does not make it easy uh, to be treated uh, poorly uh, by the general public, but um, at least uh, we can understand to some extent um, what they're dealing with, what they're um, 
what they're up against. Yeah, yeah, I, that's that's a lot of it. When stress, again, as we mentioned, gets injected into these systems, into this stuff, the, the ripple effect, what's going to be the, the place that it stops? It, it, it can be very difficult. Annette, I really do appreciate you calling in, bringing that perspective. And Annette's perspective is one that you might share. Uh, so give us a call, 313-577-1019. And you can also uh, let us know how you're feeling on in terms of a lot of the things that we've been talking about, in terms of the struggles that you're facing right now, that friends of yours, loved ones are facing, what you're seeing out there, or some of the ways that you deal with it, some of the ways that you cope. If you're doing a little bit better, what were you able to do to help you get back in here? One of the things I mentioned was going out, right? And you do see the concert series this summer, guys. I don't know if you're into music, but it's been pretty good. It's been pretty good. And, you know, we've had at WDET these comedy events. They're getting a lot of people out there. And whereas last summer I do feel we were kind of getting our muscles back into hanging out together, this summer seems to have been the time where it's like, all right, we kind of remember how to do this. want to make sure everybody's part of it. No one's getting left behind. Bishop, What in terms of uh, social gatherings and things, you mentioned some of the struggles. What are people doing to help foster more connections out there? I think that that's it, just it. You know, it's amazing how music always seems to be at the center of it, all of our major crises in this in this country. You know, we talk about the '60s, and you talk yeah. about you know all those things. And once again, it's coming in to kind of save it. I went the other day to the uh, uh, 50 Years of Hip Hop. Yeah, I I realized I'd never been to a concert before then. But it was great, right? And just all these people were there. And, you know, you still have to obviously be safe. But I just think that pushing yourself to get out and go beyond, you know, what you've created as a norm. And I think also the self-care piece that Dr. Kenzel mentioned is so important. Uh, People are operating out of fear right now, even though, you know, people are still using the term post-pandemic and things like that. But Every time you turn on the news, we've got another one. You know, this one is this one is 10 times worse. You know, this one is five times worse. And so I think it's just important if we learned anything about ourselves, we've got to take care of ourselves and a part of taking care of ourselves, making sure that we are managing our relationships because those are important. And the fellowship opportunities are super important. Managing relationships, so key, they, kind of like a garden, right? You can't just leave it unattended and expect that it's going to work. You got to water it a little bit. Yeah. Maybe put some miracle grow on like my mom used to do with the front lawn to make sure it was working right. You know, you got to foster these things. You got to help them out. And for you, Dr. Kinsel, you mentioned 10 years of experience. We got into this just a little bit, but you've seen some changes from previous to now in terms of what you're seeing out there. And one of the things we discussed a little earlier is how some kids, some younger people feel like they're not necessarily a part of these conversations. It leads me to think, you know, as times change, the way we react to some of these struggles change. What are the different ways that you think people should be reacting to stuff now with where we're at versus what they were doing 10 years ago? How's it changed in your counselor space? Um, I do feel like um, the fire hose of information um, is definitely a key and um, filtering and setting limits on um, how much time and energy you're going to spend on an infinite amount of information that's available constantly and most of it um, sensationalized and bad news. So um, it's about setting limits, um, understanding yourself, observing um, your own patterns If you want help with that, there's professional help or 
for students, there's your academic advisor, there's your faculty. Those are great sources of advice and support. Um, so identify yeah. um, what your priorities are, um, where you want to learn some skills. And um, I'm not suggesting in any of this conversation that any of these things are easy necessarily. Um, so it is a challenge, and, but there's a, a lot of help available. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes with this, like the friction, friction, frictionless way that we can get information, TikTok, I don't really like it because I don't want something telling me what it thinks I'd like, where it's too passive for me. But I do understand why people would like that. It's like, I don't have to make any decisions. It'll just tell me, it'll figure out what I like. But I'm like, is that what's really best for me? So again, being a little bit more discerning, I think there's a, a joy in that curating your your own experience. I want to loop in Brad in Rochester Hills right now to the conversation. Brad, go ahead. You're on Detroit Hey, today. Nick. Yeah. I haven't talked to you in a while. Great uh, the conversation that you had, especially with the special guest from with Dr. K from uh, Wayne State Psychology Department and the bishop from uh, his own Christian ministry. As a true believer in the body of Christ, who's also a patriotic American citizen, I believe that uh, we should do our best to uh, uh, exercise our freedom as much as respond as possible to do our self-care habits uh, in spite of uh, what we've gone through in the pandemic in overcoming fear and anxiety replacing it with faith factors and reading bible and engaging in uh, 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 christian uh, um, activities and also social activities i do uh, go to church and yeah. anything spiritually related you guys are music lovers too, and I just uh, wanted to mention I do listen to music every now and then for uh, um, inspiration too. Yeah. yeah, you know, Brad, I appreciate a lot of points. You know, listening to music is a way you involve faith and in getting back into it and dealing with some struggles you had. It's really interesting. He patriotic duty <laughs> to to do your part to 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 get back out there and do the best that you can. Uh, I don't know if, if I've heard that since. Old John F. Kennedy, not what you, your country can do for you. What you can do for your country, but whatever it takes to, to feel a little bit better, get out there doing stuff. Uh, I'm with it. So thank you there, Brad in Rochester Hills. Uh, whatever inspiration it takes for you to get out there and push your boundaries a little bit, right, Bishop? Yes, whatever it takes. If it's uh, getting uh, back to concerts, if you like music, if it's going to the library. Some people, I think, are introverted by nature yeah. anyway. Yeah, that's okay. And it's totally fine. And it's important to me that you understand that we're not saying right. or that I'm not saying that, you know, it's not okay to have those moments alone. That's why I continue to use the word management. Mm -hmm. I think that anything that is not managed, uh, that's not curated in your own words, uh, that it is something that can grow wild or right. that it can grow out of sorts and, and just pass away. So it's important to just get out yeah. there, push yourself. Yeah, do Dr. Kinsel, someone who might be naturally introverted, but also feels loneliness, right? Because I, I like my alone time. I don't feel lonely in that space, though. But there might be some who do. What, what did you say to that person? Right. Um, I know introversion very well, very introverted myself. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, there's huge differences. Um, some people are very sensitive to loneliness, um, which is different from being alone, right. which is different from solitude. And so I think um, for college students, which is my main domain, um, teaching the skill of solitude is important. And uh, to be best prepared for your adult life, um, if you haven't had much of a chance to learn how to be comfortable and happy um, being alone, then this is an opportunity to work on that. 
Um, but certainly for um, introverts, um, it, it comes down to um, are you comfortable and happy? Um, introversion has a lot to do with energy. And so the introverts um, get depleted quickly right, when right. they're around people. So keep an eye on your energy and that'll tell you. That's right. We're going to keep an eye on what you guys are doing. Dr. Kinsel, Bishop Daryl Harris, thanks so much for joining us on Detroit Today. Detroit Today is produced by Sam Corey and Nick Austin. Program director is Adam Fox. The technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Detroit Today's music is created by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. The Detroit Today podcast is edited by David Lyons. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure to share it with your friends. <laughs>